A while ago, I started following people on social media who campaigned for making the world less racist, less ableist, less misogynist, and less queerphobic. I did this um, because, number one, I was there was this growing divergence inside of me between my sense of personal well-being and how the world at large was doing. And number two, um, this podcast got a bit of traction and I felt it would be irresponsible to alienate people with my ignorance. I also started listening to podcasts, watch the occasional movie, and read books around those topics. And in the process of this, my goals shifted. I started out thinking the world has certain problems, and if I educate myself around them, maybe I could do my part to help solve them. However, as I proceeded, I got to realize that that's it's not just the world that has a problem i do too see it's easy to look about you know to look at the horrifying things that are going on and think um oh well i would never kill someone or i would never act like that central park uh karen or i don't spread hate on social media we don't recognize ourselves in people like that so we think we're good we don't have to change. And today I'm telling you that that's not true. If racism were on a scale from 1 to 10, with 10 being the kind of racist that kills others for no good reason, we are not excused just because we're not that bad. Many of you share an interest with me in psychology, obviously, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. And we know that there's this giant thing called the subconscious that harbors all kinds of beliefs that guide our thoughts and actions if we want to or not. Our best intentions cannot undo the fact that most of us grew up in a time and place where racist, ableist, misogynist, classist, and homophobic jokes and expressions were the norm and sometimes still are. I was pretty unaware of this because people who subscribe openly to those beliefs were never part of my circle. However, we were and still are being shaped by these forces, even if we don't want to. And how do I know that this is true? Here are a couple examples from my life, and I want you to think about similar examples or similar instances from yours. Nobody in my school came out as gay back then. That is statistically extremely unlikely. That tells me that the environment we created was not safe for them to do so. I contributed to that environment, not knowingly, but occasionally repeating jokes or expressions that I feel ashamed about today. I have no memory of a kid being disabled in my school. Again, this is statistically incredibly unlikely. I'm not just talking about wheelchair users. I'm talking about everything from physical disabilities to being, you know, atypical from a neurological point of view. The more obvious explanation is that these kids were either institutionalized, put in special classes we never had to encounter, see, hear from them ever again, or had to live in fear that people would discover the truth and, you know, in the best case, make fun of them, but in the worst, bully them so much more. And think about how Euro or Anglo-centric were the books you read 
and the history topics that were discussed in school. Uh, Martin Luther King and slavery were mentioned in passing, but never seriously addressed in my school. Now, of course, there are regional differences, but still, Switzerland has been whiter than most places because at least we didn't directly participate in colonization and the slave trade. We enslaved our own poor, so we're not great either. However, we must have profited from it. Did anybody ever mention this at school? To us, closer to home, the gold we were hoarding from the Nazis? Did anybody ever mention that? Of course not. I was the fat kid at school, but I knew martial arts and was good at soccer, so I was spared from most open ridicule. Other kids? Not so lucky. To this day, I hear fatphobic comments everywhere, even from friends who are otherwise very progressive and would never want to align with, you know, any of the isms or the, or the phobics that are out there. But still, fat phobia seems to be cool, too. Now, why didn't I use a race example? Well, as I said, um, we just had pretty much no black people. There was one, one friend of mine, she was adopted from Sri Lanka, and that was it. I didn't go to school with a black kid. So that's why I have no examples. But you probably do. And I want you to think about those. Before I wrap this up, there's one aspect that is particularly close to my heart in terms of positive psychology. Lots of people seem to think kindness and forgiveness is the solution to these kind of issues. Kindness is great, but it's not even remotely enough. And insisting on forgiveness before any wrongs have been addressed and before people have even ha tried to change the system that keep creating these horrific realities is insisting that people put up with abuse in order to keep a fake peace. You cannot rush to the end and skip the middle when it comes to this kind of thing. If you listened up until here, I would like to thank you. You seem to be someone who is open to considering that you were not given the full picture and that maybe there's stuff to learn out there. Is that you? If yes, there's one action step I'd like you to take. Get Dr. Ibram X. Kendi's book, How to Be Anti-Racist. Read it and make notes. As the title suggests, he focuses on racism. However, while there are certain aspects that are unique to racism or the black community, the playbook of supremacy and oppression is common to all brands of hate. It's not something that's also just a US problem. These things are globally true, although we might suffer from them in different ways. Lots of the ideas he writes about can also be applied to other problematic areas of life. To those of you who actually follow this call to action, know that things can get, can and probably will get uncomfortable. Don't try to hash that out with your black or gay or poor or disabled friends unless they specifically initiate discussions around these topics with you. They're tired enough trying to stay alive and protesting for the right to be treated like most of you and I are already treated every day. My DMs and email are open to anyone who is seriously trying to come to grips with these topics. 
And while I'm at the beginning of this journey myself, I think I can still support you in dealing with the discomfort and talk through some of the issues that might come up. Whatever is above my pay grade, I will try to give you at least useful recommendations, people to follow, maybe other books to look at, podcasts, stuff like that. There's so much more to say, but I need to find ways to translate um, what I and many others are feeling. Um, In the meantime, I hope that the family of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmoud Arbery, and countless others are getting the support both in their personal and legal needs. And to those actively protesting, campaigning, canvassing, and otherwise organize you. Thank you for fighting.